0: And the team yesterday and today backing up again because it, it kind of only seems like yesterday we were here, isn't it? Oh, we didn't get that one. Okay, fine. Because it was. And uh, just the uh, welcome team too that were here yesterday and today on these holiday kind of times. And uh, uh, obviously it was too much for Liz. She's not here, but she did a great word always good to follow someone like Liz who does so well. So, here we are, Boxing Day. I'm going to be looking at Luke 15. And everybody groans, oh, not the prodigal son again. Well, I'm going to expand it because it is my belief that Luke 15 is one parable it is not three and I'll go through that and explain that shortly Philip Yancey in his book What's So Amazing About Grace says says this During a British conference on comparative religions experts from around the world debated what if any belief was unique to the Christian faith they began eliminating possibilities Incarnation, other religions have different versions of gods appearing in human form. Resurrection, again, other religions had accounts of return from death. The debate went on for some time until C.S. Lewis wandered into the room. What's the rumpus about? he said. And he heard in reply that his colleagues were discussing Christianity's unique contribution among the world religions. Lewis responded, Oh, that's easy. It's grace. End of discussion. After some more discussion, as conferences do, the conference had to agree. The notion of God's love coming to us free of charge, no strings attached, seems to go against every instinct of humanity. The Buddhist eightfold path, the Hindu doctrine of karma, the Jewish covenant and the Muslim code of law, each of these offers a way to earn approval. Only Christianity dares to make God's love unconditional. Aware of our inbuilt resistance to grace, Jesus talked about it often. He described a world with God's grace. Where the sun shines on people good and bad, where birds gather seeds gratis, neither ploughing nor harvesting to earn them where unattended wildflowers burst into bloom on the rocky hillsides. Like a visitor from a foreign country who notices what the natives overlook, Jesus saw grace everywhere. Yet he never analysed or defined grace and almost never used the word. Instead, he communicated grace through stories we know as parables. The definition of grace in... uh, something I looked up, that which affords joy, pleasure, delight, sweetness, charm, loveliness, grace of speech, or goodwill, loving kindness, favour of the merciful kindness of God. How do you view God's grace this morning? God's unmerited favour upon each and every one of us. The lens through which we view God's grace will affect how we live and how we treat others. Do you see God's grace through the Old Testament eyes, as I put it, like those who look down on the one who receives sinners and eats with them? Eek! How could he? Or through New Testament eyes, Of the one who has come to seek and save that which is lost. As I said, we're going to look at one of the parables that Jesus used, Luke 15. And there's three parts to it. And it's almost like Jesus saying, Here's an example of the Father's love, the Father's grace. Here's another example. Now, look, I'll tell it in a story like this. So they're they're interconnected. You have to have the three of them. No, we don't want Philippians. That was yesterday. Luke 15. And it starts off. Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes explained, saying... This man receives sinners and eats with them. How could he? Then we go, move on to, uh, then he goes, Jesus says, then he, so he spoke this parable to them saying, first part he goes on, as you probably know, he talks about a man who's lost a sheep in the wilderness. He leaves the other sheep they are safe. He doesn't just leave them wandering around in the wilderness. They are safe. And he goes out and he searches until he, he finds that other sheep. Then we have a woman who's lost a coin in the house. She lights a, lights a lamp and searches diligently until she finds that coin and it is restored. And then he continues, then he said, or other virgins say, and then he continued about the, the story of the prodigal son or the lost son. And there's actually two lost sons, but we'll get to that, we'll get to that later. And I think most of us know the, the story or the parable of the, the uh, prodigal son. He asked his father for his inheritance. He went off to a Gentile place. He blew it. He got to the lowest of lows. He thought, well, I'd rather be a servant in my father's house instead of you know, being here. And he went home. The father saw him, rushed to him and accepted him back as his son and then the other son coming in from working and what's all the hullabaloo about? Oh, your, your other son's come. He's what? And he had a go at his father. He wouldn't go into the celebrations. And, uh, and there we have it, the, lost, the prodigal son. There's some similarities between the prodigal and the sheep. Apparently, Middle Eastern sheep, I don't know about Australian sheep, but Middle Eastern sheep, if they're lost, are totally useless. They just stop where they are, they panic, they freeze, they make a loud noise, which is really handy if you're lost in the wilderness and you've got predators around the place that want to eat you, smart move. And they, they just can't do anything for themselves. So, I'm sure you've seen the picture of the shepherd with the sheep on his shoulders. That is because it can't walk. He can't even walk it back to safety. It is that helpless. That's the prodigal son. That is the lost sinner. He's totally helpless. The son is also like the coin. We'll give the coin a dollar value. So, we've lost a dollar coin. Has it lost its value while it's lost? No, it's still a dollar coin, isn't it? It's still worth a dollar. The son was lost, but when he returned, he was still the father's son. He had not lost his value. It is interesting that one story is towards men, one story is toward one part of the parable is towards women. Jesus was one of the best, um, one of those people who shout out for or something, for women, ever. Advocate. Advocate. Wow. Well, and that didn't confuse me like my wife did. I know well, I'm still here. That's good. Thank you. <laughs> Wait till you get home. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> so the shepherd, the woman, and the father kept looking and never gave up until the lost was found. And in all three, ver- three parts of the parable, there was great celebration. When the, sh- when the man came back with his sheep, he told his neighbours and everyone, look, I found the sheep. When the coin was lost, he told all the neighbours, I found my coin. And when the son was, was found, we had a party. So there was great celebration. I mentioned earlier there were two lost sons and yes both were lost the prodigal was lost in the wilderness or the world as we would call it today the second was lost in the house was lost in the church so they both represent whether we're looking through our salvation and God's grace and love through Old Testament eyes as I say it where there's rules and regulations, or New Testament eyes where we have celebration. The older brother was lost in the house. He had the attitude of those who look down on the one who receives sinners and eats with them. I've done everything right. I've worked hard to get where I am. I've kept the rules. Jesus said to some lawyers you load men up with burdens hard to bear and you yourselves do not touch the burdens with one of your fingers they've written the rules expect everyone else to go by their rules and then don't accept them when they don't but don't help we can be like that we have our standards which are our standards probably not this standard and when people don't line up to our standard we get upset how dare they he eat with sinners it's as if if you want to be on our side you've got to do this, this, this and this and if you can't don't even think of joining the team but once you're on the team guess what you've got to now do this, this, this and this isn't that great you know exactly where you stand don't you They believe they are more righteous than others because they diligently seek God where others haven't. The older son had been with the father always, but his response to his brother's return and the celebration given to him shows that he didn't know his father's heart. I've heard of, a. I know a lady who's uh, not talking to her brother because he's a reprobate. Lifestyle is anything but godly. Well, that's good. But how is he going to get godly if you're not going to talk to him? Because he eats with, yeah, he eats with Sinners. And tax collectors. I don't know whether he, how many people eat with. Don't you feel sorry for tax collectors? Sheesh. New Testament eyes is like the sun lost in the world. But we see him through the one who has come to seek and save that which was lost. As I said, the Old Testament eyes, it's all about levels of getting somewhere or what you've done, how you do it. And if you're not measuring up, you're not on our side. But through New, New Testament eyes, if we look in the the examples in, in the Gospels, it unexpectedly gets freedom from sin. Woman in adultery, go and sin no more. Uh, I think that means her sins have been forgiven. I think that's got something to do with salvation. I'll look it up after. The crippled, lowered through the roof. Because of the faith of your friends, your sins are forgiven. Whoa, that's something different, isn't it? The criminal on the cross. Remember me when you're in your kingdom today. Assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. He didn't even say a sinner's prayer. He didn't repent or anything. And yet he's going to be with Christ in paradise that very day. The woman that anointed Jesus' feet in Luke 7. Jesus says, Therefore I say to you, her sins which are many are forgiven for she loved much. There's a better way of putting that for she loved much. That's almost as if because her sins forgiven she then loves that's another uh, another interpret um, a way of saying it's therefore she loved much so she'd received her forgiveness therefore she loves much that's what the parable there was when Jesus was talking to the the, the Pharisees and the the guy that was uh, uppity about this woman being there Zacchaeus in Luke nineteen, I'm sure most of us would know that story too. Jesus was walking through the town of Jericho. Zacchaeus climbs; he's a little bloke, so he climbs up a tree to see what who what this guy looks like. Jesus spots him, says, "Hey mate, I'm coming to your place for lunch." Wow, really? You know, in the Middle Eastern culture, reconciliation is often Uh, joined together with having a meal together two people that have not have reconciled and then having a meal confirms that reconciliation and i think that's still a part of middle eastern culture today so we see how important that is jesus has come to reconcile zacchaeus he says today salvation has come to this house because he also is a son of abraham for the son of man has come to seek and save the lost the reason he said that statement because the Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord look Lord I give half of my goods to the poor and if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation I restore fourfold that doesn't sound like a sinner's prayer does it but there was a Jewish teaching at the time and it's an interesting thing I was reading about our um, shepherds that we that are in the story yesterday about the birth of Jesus. They're shepherds, and you know they were the low of the low, and the, no, you know they were the outcast. And yet, in the Old Testament, a shepherd was a picture of God. Psalm twenty-three. Shepherd was a was a sign of prophets and kings. The upper echelon somewhere between the old and the New Testament. Some religious people got involved. And part of repentance was you must make compensation for all your mistakes. How could a shepherd pay for all his mistakes? He couldn't. They, had, they were poor. Old Testament eyes and New Testament eyes, And I'm pretty sure there was no small celebration in Zacchaeus's house that day when salvation had come to the household. If you're looking through Old Testament,